What's up, everyone? Welcome to Star Wars Explained. Today, we're bringing back two guests to talk about the new book, Escape from Valo, which is out right now. Please welcome back the authors of the story, Daniel Jose Older and Alyssa Wong. Welcome back. Hi. Hey, we're back. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're talking full spoilers for the book today. So if you haven't read it yet, turn back now. Uh, and I'm going to dive right in. I just want to say that uh, I, I loved Ram as basically Batman <laughs> at the start of this book. Uh, yeah. I, I already love Ram. He is a standout character to me. Uh, but the the gravelly voice, the scarlet skull was <laughs> so delightful to start off with. <laughs> I, the other the other connection he has to Batman now that you mentioned it is that he is the like the dad that doesn't want to be a dad. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got three Robins. He's it's got a perfect. whole bunch of Robins. Exactly. Just hatching out of eggs everywhere he turns. And he's like, no, it's a war. Get back in your eggs, kiddies. <laughs> Much like Batman, you know, and and that's so true. But that's the I think that's the ultimate challenge of kind of Jedi-ness is like, you know, there's so much you want to do in the world, but you also have to take care of other people while you're doing it, no matter how rogue you want to be. <laughs> or maybe that's the path you walk away from it, you know, like some other characters. But Ram is like, OK, we're doing this, so let's do this. But it's very stressful for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's always so much fun to read. I relate to him so much. Uh, I, I thought he and Reith in Midnight Horizon were perfect because I also really relate to Wreath. Like <laughs> they, they just kind of want to be alone with their books or with their uh, machine parts, but totally. they formed such a bond, became Scarlet Skulls, so to speak. And then uh, him taking on that persona was so much fun. Um, I, I mentioned in our last talk that you both have this very kind of chaotic style when you write. Uh, I'm curious <laughs> if either of you have uh, a past or a history playing Dungeons and Dragons or other tabletop games? No, my wife does. <laughs> I know. Alyssa, do you? I do, but like, um, I think not not D and D, but um, more like Powered by the Apocalypse kind of mm. games. Like uh, Monster Hearts is really fun. Um, I feel like you have to have a really solid group for Monster Hearts, um, which is basically like, what if? what if a monster like a monster supernatural YA romance novel um and you're playing a bunch of teenagers who are all monsters it's oh, and you're cool. trying to what you're doing so that's really fun um but no <laughs> I, mean, well, that. I, I asked because I'm fairly new to it I've been playing for like three years but my game master he just tends to create storylines very similar to yours Gosh. so much to the point that v18 every time he pops up I'm like that's that thing. Like <laughs> we, we basically have a, a sentient stove for lack of a better word <laughs> that keeps getting upgraded with like jet packs it. and weapons and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's V18. That's so, so funny. <laughs> and, and reading through escape from Valo also, I was like, this just feels like D and D in the sense that you're, you're, bouncing ideas off of one another, obviously, and just kind of uh, following the rules of improv. It feels very yes and, uh, where you're just escalating things to this very wacky, fun point. That's very astute, because Alyssa does have a background in game writing. Oh, that's right, I do. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not that I forgot. <laughs> so between the two of us, I think those probably are secret influences, because I did comedy improv for all four years of college. 
And it's clearly influenced a lot of my writing because that's a lot of the vibe of, you know, what it is. Yes. And, and I think we did that for each other. We, like we, you know, like I said, in the last interview, we did, we were able to know each other, which I think is a really important part of the process, but we were also so excited about what each other was doing that it was usually like, yes. And, and then it built. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, like uh, Daniel would send something and be like, "Here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking," and I'd be like, "Yes, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes." So and, <laughs> literally, and like, because it would build. It would always build. It was never just like, "This is cool." It was like, "This is cool," but also, or and also, like, it'll turn into this, and then yeah, like, like who, who was the ship yours? I can't remember the. I was thinking today about how much I love this whole notion that Gabby has this secret ship, and I can't remember for the life of me whether that was you or me. They came up with that originally but whoever it was we both ended up kind of building on that and building on it mm -hmm. like i think it might it might have been me but i think it was I, you it's, it's gotta have been you it's gotta have been you if it um, was me then it was you who added the detail of gabby then being like constantly like who am i gonna bring with me the shit that doesn't fit enough people which is such a heartbreaking and and true emotional moment for gabby i love it yeah you, you talked about uh gabby in the non-spoiler part but uh yeah you you put that kid through the ringer <laughs> and uh it, like I, I, go, I go into these uh middle grade books thinking ah oh, these are going to be lighthearted and fun and they are but also at some points uh Still? you're reading about how he locked eyes with his teacher as he got petrified it's like what? oh my god why <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that might have been my fault um <laughs> that was definitely a listen <laughs> But we agreed to it, so we all take you know, yeah. we all take equal amounts of credit and blame. That, that has to be fair. <laughs> but mm -hmm. yes, I mean, I, I think one thing I remember very clearly going into this process, and, and it is a conversation that we really an ongoing conversation that we had. But certainly before we even started writing, we talked a lot about the idea of not wanting to traumatize the reader, but also to be really honest about the trauma that the characters are living through as children in a war zone, in occupation. You know, it's like you can't um, sugarcoat that and pretend everything is cool. And it's the high republic nothing is cool right but you can't just pound Every, it over everything's cool <laughs> everything is awesome you can't pound the reader with it constantly and just make them miserable right so it's always this really tricky and complex kind of line that you're that you're navigating and there's no right answer it's just vibes like you're and you were every writer has their own version of where that line is every project has its own version of where that line goes but what was actually really nice was having another writer to be like where is that line did we cross it here and it'll happen in one sentence you know like you'll be towing that line and then suddenly you'll just slide over it and and it's hard because you 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 need to again you need to hit that edge you can't just constantly be cute and fuzzy um but you can't like hurt people you know and that's so all that to say is we were really cognizant of that from the very beginning and constantly throughout the process. Yeah. And I think like, you know, we never write to like to hurt people, you know, I feel like it's not at least for at least for me and hope and for you, it's, it's not mm -hmm. like ever like an act of sadism. It's always like, again, how do you be true to what is happening in this character's like emotional state? Like, how does that impact their body? How does that impact uh, the actions they take uh, with the people around them and, and who they choose to be? Um, and I think you see that in a lot of different ways in Escape from Ballo. Like, you see it in, um, like, the three younglings. You see it in, um, like, uh, Drigget, who's, like, just a normal non-Jedi kid who's, who gets left behind in an occupied city. And you see it with, like, you see it with Zyle, 
um, who has like a really tight, like supportive family mm -hmm. um, and how that like how that helps give them like strength um, in this really, really rough, scary world. And if I can just add on to that, so I love exactly what you just said. It's so true. And a, a lot of the conversation around kind of like dealing with heavier topics in children's books starts from the assumption that kids don't have trauma. And that's not true. That's not a reality. And I think we have to be very aware of that, both so that we don't, you know, further traumatize them, but also, you know, just as importantly, but often less mentioned so that they have some representation of that on the page that can help them navigate it and be in conversation with it and have a language for it. Because so many people insist on writing, you know, the, with this idea of a non-traumatized child in their head. And so what about all the, you know, the rest of us? Like, I think it's really important to be able to be in conversation with kids about things they've gone through. The only way sometimes to do that is through story. Mm -hmm. And it can really help to have something where like, especially if you're a child and you do have trauma and no one takes it seriously because they're like, oh, you're a kid, you can't, that's not possible. Mm -hmm. To right. have an example you can point to and be like, that's me, that happened to me. Right. And it's real because mm -hmm. somebody else recognized it. I think that's really important. Uh, on the lighter side of relatability, <laughs> I think uh, Gavi and Kildo's relationship is probably the closest look we've had at young Jedi crushing on each other. Uh, we've, we've heard about like Avar and Elzar and Stellan, uh, but we haven't really seen someone going through it. And mm -hmm. to get into Gabby's head, I thought uh, was really fun. So how was it writing that? And how is writing a Jedi romantic relationship different from writing a normal one? <laughs> both of us, when I say that was the hardest part of the whole book, right? Mm -hmm. we we um we rewrote the the scene that kind of culminates their relationship and, and complexity and challenges many times like that was the one i think we struggled with the most in a good way struggled with um we had the most conversations about with each other with story group but all really positive ones you know all in the in the in the name of like how do we really get this right like what are we trying to do with it what's the point of it you know how do we honor it how do we not just, uh, kind of blow it off how do we not overplay it that was mm -hmm. the most challenging thing, but it was a great challenge. It was. I think we wrote, rewrote that scene at least 10 times. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that, that's one of the ones that put to the point that we I have no idea who wrote what. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, I was reading that again. And I was like, I don't remember what it's all, you know, that one feels like a very, very much like us scene, you know? Um, I think that, you know, it's complicated. It's complicated. Um, but it was really important to us that we never like we never give the message that it wasn't okay to have those feelings um right. even though they're jedi you know um i'm just like it it was really important for us to be able to be like this is like a real thing this is a true thing um and in some ways i feel like gabby is trying to decide between multiple loves of his life um and one of the his like his constant forever love is the force cool. so um and it is kind of like a, you know, why can't, why can't I have it all? Um, but I think they're really sweet. Um, I love them. And uh, we really wanted to be able to write about like, you know, young queer love. Um, and that's not necessarily something that we've seen a ton of um, like among Jedi. So, yeah. I, I remember for me, like, I, I don't think I would have been, I definitely wouldn't have been able to write the scene from scratch, you know, so it was so much like 
because Alyssa definitely wrote the first draft of that scene that then, you know, transformed so many times. But I also remember very clearly, like, that draft and loving it and also having visions of my own and ideas and, and then kind of melding our visions. Um, one thing for me that kind of clicked when after many back and forths was the notion of the different kinds of love that we have for each other. And I love that Star Wars allows for that conversation to be so deep. Um, but the notion of like two people loving each other face to face versus two people loving each other as they look out into the world side by side yeah. and how there is, you know, once you kind of have a more expansive understanding of love and even romance, like how that transforms this question of attachment, you know, and like, how do you care about someone, you know, that you're attached to and how do you not be attached to them? And there is no, this, this is the answer, but there is a, like, this is us committing to that process and committing to the process also that we've like, you know, given our lives to and doing that together, you know, instead of being like, we cannot even admit that this is real. We must run in the other <laughs> directions or like, we're going to throw it all away for each other. Like both of those have in this particular situation had their own forms of toxicity, you know, and, and danger. And we wanted to kind of like, just let them kind of explore that without just cutting off every option at the root. I, I yeah. think this book uh, and uh, uh, Race to Crash Point Tower both did a great job of exploring uh, the difference between like possessive attachment and connection, uh, which I think can be misconstrued in Star Wars a lot. Uh, but I, I, I thought I would have never guessed that took 10 drafts. It, it, it read Good. very clearly and very well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think we spent a lot of time talking about attachment and what it means. Um, and I think for me, like attachment and non-attachment is like, for me, non-attachment is being able to love freely um, and, and fully and understand your feelings rather than shut it out. Um, and also to be able to, you know, to let it go if, if you need to, like, I don't know, it's, it's very, it's very sweet. And for me, it, like non-attachment isn't just closing that door. Right. Um, it is looking at it and being like, I know what you are and I accept this. Um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, I think another aspect of the Jedi that I really liked seeing in this book was them as part of the community on Valo, mm. especially in flashbacks. But, you know, in the prequels, we mostly see the Jedi centralized on Coruscant, uh, not really out and part of the galaxy. But in this one, Gabby's waving to neighbors. His best friend uh, is a non-Jedi that he goes and visits and he's called like uh, his his... Adrigat's mother calls him her Jedi son. Uh, stuff like that was just really fun and interesting to see. So how is it exploring that side of the Jedi? Uh, that's something I also feel really strongly about. Um, I think that in order to serve a community, you have to be part of that community. You have to understand what's going on um, and you have to know the people or else you're just rolling in and you're like, hey, I don't know what your situation is. I'm just going to drop all these like, sanctions on you. Bye. And I'm not about that. Um, I think that as we were talking about what it means to like write Jedi on Valo, who are like trying to save Valo, it was, it seemed odd to not have like the people of Lanisa City in the story. Um, and so we really wanted to push that forward and be able to like, be able to feel that and be able to know them the way that we want to know these Jedi kids. 
totally there. And and then I think on top of that, um, there's so there's so many interesting conversations about staying and leaving that these characters are having with themselves and with each other, you know, throughout. It's funny. I was reflecting on how hilarious it is in a way that the name is of the book is Escape from Ballo. And the ultimate arc of one of our most important characters is to not escape from Ballo, you know, and like how important that is that, you know, he really gets to this place where he's like, this is my home and my move right now is to stay. And, you know, not that there's a right or wrong answer, you know, each of them really has to find their path. But I love that we just have this opportunity to have both Jedi and non-Jedi, all of who consider Valo home, to deal with the really difficult and impossible choice of like, what do you do when you're under siege? And, you know, the place that you call home is no longer safe for you. And that there's just a lot of choices and, and they're all wrong and they're all right at the same time. And every it's unfair, you know, and everyone suffers for it. But they also, you know, find their form of home no matter what. Uh, speaking of potentially wrong choices, Drigget's trajectory uh, completely surprised me. Oh, good. I, I couldn't think of a really thought-provoking question for this, so I'll just ask, uh, why? Why Why would you do that? Like, it, it just, <laughs> I, I was like, for sure she's going to come back and help the kids, but uh, nope. That's a great that's a great question. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> I guess I knew from the beginning that she wouldn't, so maybe that. But you're right. It kind of looks that way, and then, nah, Alyssa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, my girl, my my favorite, my baby girl. Um, yeah. I mean, speaking of speaking of attachment and non-attachment, um, I think there's that bit at the end where Drigget is using like the Jedi techniques of being like, I'm gonna focus on this thing and I'm gonna hold it and I'm gonna let it go. But that's like a really toxic form of like practicing non-attachment. She's like, I'm just gonna throw away everything that I've ever cared about so mm -hmm. I can get this done, and that is dangerous. Um, I think that for me, Drigget is a character who kind of represents the kids who are stuck in really awful situations and there is no good way out. Um, and so I really wanted to make sure she was sympathetic um, and that you can tell that she's trying to find a way to do the right thing um, in her own way and that the pressure is just of trying to hold everyone together is just crushing her. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, she makes a choice at the end. It's a really, really gnarly choice. Um, and I think that we'll see where that takes her um, going forward. I, I love that arc so much too. And I think throughout the book, you see a lot of um, conversations about attachment also happening in the non-Jedi characters. And and mm -hmm. with Drigget particularly, there's a way that she's letting go, but but it's all it's it's rooted in holding on at the same time mm -hmm. too. Like she's holding on so tight, and her her kind of final moment compared to Gabby's are they're so close together because they're best friends, and they're also like polarities apart. You know, Gabby really finds this place where he's like, "This is what letting go means, and this is how I can let it make me better." You know, in so many ways, and Drigget is like not. Nah. You know, and then Niv Drendau is like, "I'm so attached to my dogs." that I will murder everyone <laughs> who gets near my dogs. And that's his arc, you know what I mean? And like, that's attachment. Like Nirdrendo is the epicenter of attachment embodied in one obnoxious teenager. <laughs> and there he is. I don't know how you did it, but you did it again. Uh, next question is about Nirdrendau. Do you think in another life, he and Tep Tep would get along? Because they both <laughs> seem to yes. love monstrous animals. 100%, absolutely. Yeah. Besties. I think they would be good friends. I think they'd be they'd be monster besties, uh, you know. And Tep Tep's just a little ray of sunshine. 
Um, I think she would just, you know, so bright, so bright. And she loves animals so much. I think they get along. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> she'd win him over. Yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting to see someone so uh, attached and loving with the nameless. Uh, that that was a fun introduction. I look forward to seeing uh, where Niv Drindau and uh, Drigget go in the High Republic adventures. We have not seen the last of either of them, and Niv Drindau, both of them really, but they they just they've like just taken such a life of their own since writing this book. And I, I didn't I don't think either of us set out to write them as like characters that we were necessarily going to follow throughout the rest of Phase Three, but they have popped up already in so many other things that I'm like trying to keep track of them as wild as they go in their different directions and similar directions and everything else. So that's been one of the true pleasures of this is like just coming up with all these new characters, you know, with Alyssa and then seeing them grow and passing them on to other writers and everything else. So there's a lot ahead in store for our little friends and enemies. Oh yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. How has writing the Nile characters changed now that they've had some serious victories against the Republic and the Jedi, or are they uh, kind of the same in your mind? I think they're struggling with what it means to win and then lead, you know, and like it's like that Hamilton line, uh, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> winning is one thing whatever and that's you know they're in this weird situation that we see dramatized across the initiative of like you know now we have territory now we've done the thing that we no one thought was possible and it, it almost is like did they even know i don't think they expected to kind of like get where they got and now they're stuck with it and they have to deal with it you know and there's bureaucracy and management and you know all kinds of issues that come with it and they don't know you know how to manage on top of that they don't have like that great a central kind of like organizing principle and that's fun in games when you're just a bunch of Vikings like murdering people for fun, but that's different when now you have to like manage economies and like, you know, run an occupation. And what we see here is the Nile as an occupying force, you know, being as, as chaotic and anarchistic, but also really oppressive as they, you know, want to be. And, you know, so I think it's, it's fun in a way and interesting and also really challenging to see, you know, how our, our young people fight that and use their the the negligence of the Nile, you know, against them. Uh, you actually just reminded me of uh, someone in our book club uh, talked about the Nile and Marcion as if they were the Joker from The Dark Knight, where he says, I'm just a dog chasing cars. If I ever caught one, I don't know what I would do with it. Uh, <laughs> that that kind of feels like the Nile right now. Totally, totally, totally. And that's, a, that's an interesting place for, I think, bad guys to be in. Because while they have just won and they're at their moment of triumph, they're also totally out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Bark Tarpaulin being like, I used to be a rock star and now I'm an administrator. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> exactly. He's so useless and mad about being useless, but he's like, this is my life now. <laughs> uh, the connections to the Rising Storm and Race to Crash Point Tower and Midnight Horizon were all great. Uh, I'm curious how the mission to reclaim the innovator specifically came about feel like that might have been handed down from on high actually <laughs> not to totally it wasn't it i think, I think so, it was yeah. i think that was always just part of the book like we, we part I don't of an know overarching yeah. might have even been someone totally else on the team at one point was like we should bring the innovator back or something it might have been mike it was probably mike mike is a 
brilliant story person and he's mm -hmm. often behind some of the coolest ideas in the higher public i don't think either of us thought of it but i know we were both like yeah as soon as like oh it's a it's an underwater like rescue operation to like pull this ship out and then i love to your point i just love that tie-in aspect of it being like here's the thing that happened you don't have to read the rising storm to know that a ship was down during a battle you know you just there's a ship there was a battle we talked plenty about the battle of um you know in that book but you don't have to read any of it. It's just this idea that there's this underwater ship that's really symbolic and representative of the Republic and its triumph and its tragedy. And mm -hmm. so it's almost like, of course, you got to bring that back and, and then you got to, you know, get the stuff that's on it. Yeah, I was just excited to write the Eviscerator. <laughs> I thought yeah. that's a sick ship. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah. And I love how much Ram loves it, too. <laughs> That was, what I think, my favorite scene to write is when Ram just is in his element. You know, he's already flown it once, and that was in a very desperate and urgent situation over the skies of Corellia, you know, and he didn't, he was figuring it out still, but now he's done it before. So when he gets into it again, uh, <clears throat> I did a, a, a run on that first. And then as we were kind of coming up on the closing, you know, finishing up stuff, I was like, let me take one more stab at this scene. And yeah. I really just like got to go in on it, and I had so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a beautiful scene. I love that one. Thank you. Well, I'm not expecting much of an answer from this next question, uh, right. but but Mike Siglain's not here. He can't <laughs> say anything. So what's next for each of you in the High Republic? Let's see. Uh, can you talk about what you're doing? I don't think I can. Mike's going to parachute <laughs> in and be like, no. Um, we don't know when anything's being announced, so that makes it tricky. Yeah, but... Um, There's more ahead. <laughs> yeah, we're both working on some fun stuff, um, and I'm very excited for your stuff. I'm also very excited for my stuff. <laughs> what I can tell you is that in the current arc of adventures where we're at right now, um, we're still trying to figure out where everybody is or if everybody is. And um, <laughs> there's what, what we already know is that there is this big prison assault, prison ship assault that's about to happen. And um, we know that Niv Drendau is part of that moment as is Drigget. And so we're bringing in a lot of the threads from Escape from Valor that are starting to um, culminate once again. Um, as, as you might've noticed that very, very end of Escape from Valor kind of leads us into that moment uh, to some degree with, with them, Niv Drendau and Drigget planning their next moves. So it's all very, very connected. Um, I can't wait for people to see it, the art is incredible. I've been uh, sending a lot of the art to Alyssa as it's so coming good. in from um, Elisa Romboli, who's incredible. It's just been so cool to see these characters that we wrote now come to life on the page in visual form, uh, including, no, I can't say that. But yeah, so much ahead. You'll see. Dun, 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 dun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And uh, Daniel and I talk about story stuff like every day. So yeah. Uh... What we what we make is definitely going to be a little bit like like this, even when it's you know our own stuff. I almost feel like what's ahead is like Escape from Valo plus. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah. it's its own thing by all means, absolutely. And I, I'll say this again, and I'll die on this hill. You don't have to read a lot. Most of the stuff you don't have to read the stuff that comes before it. Mm -hmm. um, it's just better if you do. But if you don't, that's fine. But like if you've read Escape from Valo, so much of what's ahead is going to feel like bonus material on top of that which it sounds like it's just bonus material. it's its own thing but it's so it's connected in really cool ways 
that you're gonna enjoy. It really is. It's really cool. <laughs> if you haven't, you're still gonna like you know. There's no way you're gonna read Nevdrendo and not immediately love and want to kill him. So but. we actually fell in love with Nevdrendo. Like we we're like, look at this guy. Look at this loser. And then suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, like the more we wrote him, the more we were like, oh, this is great. <laughs> love this guy. He just keeps losing no matter what he does. It's, he so, does. it's very charming and horrible in its own way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, like, that was way more than I was expecting to get from that answer. We, you danced around specifics, but you sufficiently teased everything. I'm very excited. Uh, Escape from Valo is out right now. I think by the time this comes out, Dr. Afra has also ended, so you can check out the final issue. Uh, the High Republic Adventures Phase 3 is ongoing. All of that's out now, so go read it. Uh, go read. But for now, where can people find you online and... Uh, what other stories would you recommend for Star Wars fans? Uh, DJ Older on Twitter, Daniel Jose One on Instagram, Daniel Jose Older on Substack, uh, Daniel Jose Older.net is my website where all of this stuff can be found, including uh, classes on writing that I teach and all my different books. So go there and find everything I've written and buy it. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Crash Wong. Um, my website is crashwong.net. And uh, if you like Drigget Parse, uh, read the fisher queen which is a short story it was my very first published short story um and it was nominated for like everything Here we go. but <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that one's about uh the dark side of the mermaid uh fishing industry on the mekong river so yeah go find it go read it um it's fun i guess <laughs> <laughs> Well, great. Thank you both for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. And thank you all for watching and may the force be with you.